Hi, I'm Mark Woods, back with another Page One podcast um, with Dan McDonald, a former TU writer. Um, I feel like this is a should be one of those a very special episode of because we're like we're going back to the 1980s, and that's what they always said about sitcoms in the 1980s. And um, um, this is you know, and the premise of this podcast is kind of the story behind the story, and this is the story behind when Dan was our music writer covering the surviving members of Leonard Skinner going on tour in 1987, um, 10 years after the plane crash. And here we are 31 years after that tour, and Skinner will be playing in what is billed as its fi- farewell show in Jacksonville um, on Labor Day weekend. Um, but first, before we go back to 87, we had news today that bassist Ed King died. Um, so I wanted to have you talk about what his what he meant to the band, his story, what what you can tell people about him and your memories of him. I don't know if you have any personal memories of him. Ed was uh, the music director, as it were, of the Second Incarnation, the tribute band. Ronnie, um, he ran a tough ship with the original band, literally a tough ship. <laughs> he, he would beat them with fistfights between the, in the band. And this time around, when uh, Ed came on, and he was the musical director, making sure everything was was tight. And he was from California. He played in the uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock. They had a small hit with Peppermint and Incense. (laughs) Well, um, Skinner, when it was first getting started, opened for that band. And that's how Ed got to know uh, the the Skinner crew. And I think that's when he met, or he already knew Al Cooper, and who, who produced the first couple of Skinner albums. And um, as the story goes, he, when they were one, they were one-hit wonder band. Uh, and uh, so he had told Al, you know, if you got any work for me or anything, you know, keep me, keep me in mind. And when he was recording Skinner, they needed a bass player. Called up um, Ed. Ed comes in, and he started out on a bass, and then they went to the three-guitar lineup. Mm-hmm. So he, he became the third guitarist uh, with Alan and Gary. And uh, so he toured with them for, like, uh, oh, the first two, three, three albums. Hmm. And um, there's a special on, on each, uh, Showtime mm-hmm. called If I Should See You Tomorrow. So I just happened to run across it last week, and it's, and it's a really well done, um, hmm. real done uh, documentary. Anyways, um, they are out on tour on their third or fourth album. By this time, the band has been on the road constantly, or either on the road in the studio. Mm-hmm. They're in the days of wrecking um, hotel rooms, tearing up backstages, and Ronnie. The more he drank, the angrier he got. He'd fight with anybody. Well, he and uh, and um, Ed got into an argument over broken guitar strings. <laughs> and Ed, I don't know what city they were in, just said, I'm done, I'm through. He packed up, he left. <laughs> the next day, Alan and Gary had to figure out who was going to do what guitar parts because now they only had two guitars. 
and all. But um, when they reformed, he was uh, brought back in again, working as uh, the musical director, as it were. Uh, and he rehearsed those guys guys hard. They made he made sure that they were uh, they had guitar practice. The guitar set session had the um, practice time and made sure that they were tight. Hmm. And uh, and that's what that band was all about. It was a tight band. Um, when unlike a lot of bands would come into the studio with an idea for a song, they kind of work it out. Um, for the first two albums, they had every song practiced, rehearsed, memorized. Hmm. When they said this is the way we're going to do it, they go up to the studio and they would do it exactly that way. Hmm. And that's uh, how uh, they were, how they got their reputation. Um, and I'm really so sad to see um, Ed, Ed uh, to pass. Of course, anyone, you don't want anyone to pass. But um, it seemed like on Facebook and on YouTube, he had he would be playing guitar and he'd be talking about stuff. He seemed to be very happy hmm. uh, in in his later days. He left the band um, in the '90s because he had a heart condition. Hmm. He later got a transplant. And uh, I guess uh, he died uh, this week of uh, heart failure. Hmm. And all the stories, of course, led with that he um, shared co-writing credits with Ronnie and Gary Rosington for Sweet Home Alabama. Right. Um, As the story goes, they're in the rehearsal hall out in the swamp from Clay County. And Gary's working on on a simple lead line. Ed walks in, gets his guitar, and comes up with the famous <laughs> line that we all know. Wow. And he's playing that over Gary's. And then Ronnie is sitting in a chair or on the couch, wherever he is, and he just kind of made a motion with his hand, a circular motion, meaning keep going, keep it going, keep it going. And about a half hour, 45 minutes later, Sweet Home Alabama is written. Huh. And when we hear the, I think I read today with the the one two three at the beginning, that mm-hmm. that's Ed King. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So he definitely has, a oh, yeah. big place in Skinnerd lore. Well, and you go to any football stadium, and you're going to hear that song. So yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I think you you just might hear it at that uh, concert. I'm guessing on oh, yeah. over Labor Day weekend. Um, yeah. So I I wanted to have you take us back. You the paper knowing this um, that you. It, had covered all this they asked you to write about some of your memories um so you have a fun story i'm not exactly sure it's when it's running in the paper so i don't want to plug it but but look on jacksonville.com and look in the paper for it but you you began it with uh uh i never thought this second incarnation of leonard skinner would last this long back in the day when my hair was long curly and black <laughs> now i'm not gonna question anybody else's hair but yes you know your hair is it's not as long i've seen some of the you dug up some of the old photos and it's uh not not dark anymore and uh no still kind of curly but anyway so um take us back to 1987 when this they're, they're getting together the you know 10 years after the crash and you 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 start off the story you wrote for the paper with a, a great story about going out to cover the the start of that so tell tell that story okay first of all the it was originally billed the Leonard Skinner Tribute Band, and it was supposed to be having some very limited dates. I mean, um, the, it was so limited 
Gary Rosington had his own band, the Rosington Band. Hmm. He was the opening act. Oh, okay. He, he and his wife, Dale Krantz, uh, and they were banned because they were trying to promote a record deal on their own. And so they were the opening act huh. um, for that, for the first, at least the first leg of that show. And so, anyways, they went out to Concord, California. That's out by San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is in the um, 80s. There's no. It, no cell phones, no digital cameras, no map quests. My laptop was an old TRS-80. They called them a trash 80. Got one sitting in my office for nostalgia. So do I. I ran into mine uh, the other day. It turned it on. It still works. <laughs> of course it does. Yes. It's indestructible. <laughs> it is. Uh, if you're not familiar with those, the screen would hold eight lines of, of type. I think you had one of the fancy flip-up ones. No, no. Okay, the the normal flat one had. Yep. Okay, okay. Maybe six lines the type. It was <laughs> it was nuts. But um, so, anyways, um, the paper sent me out f- to cover the these first shows, and so the logistics were a little weird. Concord is they were playing an amphitheater there in Concord. They were rehearsing in the Oakland Armory. They were staying. In San Francisco, it's a Marriott or or, uh, someplace like that, Hilton. And so I met them at the uh, the Armory. I talked with some of the band members. But when they were rehearsing, I was talking to the patriarch of the Van Zandt family, Lacey Van Zandt. And as I've uh, stated previously in other articles, he is the patriarch of Southern rock and roll. This uh, truck driver made, made it possible for his sons to pursue music they rehearsed there he drove them to their their gigs he supported them in every 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 way he was um not a stage dad by any means but he he made it possible Mm -hmm. and so uh lacy and i are out there listening to the band and he's telling me stories and about every other story it started out with um now this is off the record dan (laughs) you can't tell you can't use this but then he would tell me this great story that that would about you know some gossip or you know family history or you know some other crazy thing that happened to the band and was a little risque. Well, they finish up their rehearsal and they are heading back to San Francisco where they're staying, and they're all piling in the van. And Lacey said to me, "Now will you go to the hotel and I want to know exactly what you're writing, so that you know we're on the same page." And I said, "Sure thing." And he said, follow, they said, just follow the van. And you're, as a TU staffer, you're not staying at the, <laughs> the no. same hotel. <laughs> no. Uh, I was staying, stationed up in Concord, staying at the Days Inn. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, that's palatial. <laughs> Days Inn. So Concord. that's, yeah, an important detail because you don't know what the hotel is. Okay, go ahead. So, so I'm following the van. Someone didn't tell the van driver that there was some guy following him. He runs, takes a left on a yellow light. It turns red on me. I've lost them. <laughs> now, again, this is the 1980s. I pull over to find some telephone booth, open up the yellow pages. I'm shoving quarters in. Like, and I must have spent you know, a couple of dollars and then realized, even if I get the right hotel, no one at the front desk yeah, is going right. to say, oh, yes, sir. I'm just going to stay in room uh, 417 through uh, 460. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. So, I've got a deadline. This is back in the days when we had the afternoon paper, the mm-hmm. Jacksonville Journal, 
and the Times Union. I wrote for both of them. And so um, I had deadlines. And I still had to get back to Concord. I hadn't even checked into uh, the palatial days in yet. <laughs> and so I uh, go to get back. To, don't don't meet up with the band. I go right to Concord. And um, here I am in the world of the best restaurants in the in the world. Later would be, I find this ironic that I'd become food editor after becoming music writer. And I, my meal that night was a Domino's pizza. <laughs> I remember that distinctly because I had to cut the cardboard tab off of a box to use as my receipt. <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, I write my story, send send it in, uh, and the, the next day I go to the Concord uh, Amphitheater. And one of the few times I ever had backstage passes, people have always thought, "Oh, you." Music writer, backstage. No, back in those days, we bought tickets mm-hmm. just like anybody else. Uh, didn't have any playlists before us. You know, we knew pretty much we were, we were experiencing the concert like the fans would. And so I walk backstage, and uh, Lacey is hot. <laughs> now, Lacey is. I'm I'm six two. I'm a good foot taller than Lacey. Lacey again. Hard living West Side truck driver. Uh, he's hot, and I did not want to get in an argument in a room full of people. So I thought, that, Lace, let's take this over behind this other area where we can be alone. I can explain what happened. And I'm trying to explain what ha- what's happening. His, his voice is loud. I'm, I have a loud voice as well. I'm loud. <laughs> well, they have a guy who was a, uh, a roadie bouncer. He also played uh, a tuba uh, on the breeze. You know, he would come out and <laughs> really? big, big old guy, and he, yeah. Uh, and so he comes back. Is there any problem back here? And I'm trying now. I'm trying to fuse <laughs> Lacey and this guy who's you know a foot taller than I am. <laughs> and thank God, my guardian angel Johnny. Fans aunt Don, uh, Ronnie's uh, youngest brother took over the singing duties. Comes back and says, "Hey, hey, hey, what's what's going on?" And um, I tell him, explain to him why what happened. And he says, "Well, Dad, listen to him. We have plays. Lacey settles down. I have a talk. We have a talk." Lacey leaves. Johnny comes back in. So how how you doing? <laughs> Everything good? I think, I, yeah, I think everything's good, Johnny. Did, did Pa shake your hand? Yeah, yeah, we shook hands. Oh, hell, you're good. You're going to be on the Christmas card list. <laughs> and Lacey and I, from that day on, we were fine. <laughs> and by the way, I did not use any off the record stuff. I was right. I played it clean. <laughs> you had enough on the record to make it work. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And did you ever get a Christmas card? I didn't get a Christmas card from Lacey, but I got one from pianist Billy Powell. <laughs> Billy and I hit it off real well. Um, he, I think he liked everybody. I mean, he was a jovial guy, uh, always had a smile. Uh, and um, so, I'm always, again, before they did this concert, I did some of the interviews locally. And he lived out in the west side, a modest home. Uh, he was always known to be playing a grand piano on stage, but his, at home it was this simple stand-up uh, piano against the wall. And um, he was. He and his wife were very, uh, you know, inviting, cordial. You know, can I get to this? Can I get to that? But nothing. So we had a very nice interview. But then I had to ask 
you know, a question I didn't really want to ask, but had to be asked. I said, uh, Billy, you know, you guys are going to go out on tour, and this is going to be all over the country. Uh, that means you guys are going to be on a plane. Do you have any qualms um, about flying with Leonard Skinner again? Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and said, no, I don't have any problems flying. You're the one that should be worried. I've had my plane crash. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Again, that's that's one of the sad things about this band is that uh, all these guys seem to have died way too young. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think any of them made it to sixty. Right. Yeah. I mean, you. Oh, well, maybe maybe uh, uh, Ed did, but uh, yeah, Ed. I think they said it was sixty-eight. But yeah, you wrapped up your story how um, you said death has hung over Leonard Skinner from the plane crash through guitarist Alan Collins' car crash and the later deaths of Leon Wilkerson and Billy Powell yeah it is kind of kind of mind-boggling when you look at those old pictures that yeah and you know granted some of it was that hard living but some of it seems like it was also just pure bad luck and it's a mix of things yeah yeah it is I mean those guys live Hard. They they put some hard miles on the, the internal organs as, as as it were. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, so yeah, maybe if I can bring you up to the to here now that um, you know that they are still playing. You know, you said you never thought they would be. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this before, and you said what makes them a good concert band or a great concert band. What would you say about that? Their show is a staircase. They now I haven't seen them in probably about uh, five seven years, so that set may have changed. But the classic set would always start out with working for MCA. There'd be another upbeat number, another upbeat number, and then they may work in when they were recording uh, something new. They had a semi hit with Smokestack Lightning, which was I thought was a better song than it was received. But um, then they would go into you know Curtis Lowe. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the more ballady stuff. So it's, you go up, you just kind of go to the plateau, they bring you back up again, then another plateau, and then to take you out of the building, they had the three most powerful songs in all of uh, Southern rock with The Breeze, um, and Sweet Home Alabama, and then, <laughs> the only, you know the only show where you never hear anyone say play Freebird? <laughs> yeah. Is, at a Leonard Skinner show <laughs> because you know they're going to play Freebird and it's going to be the last song. Yeah. You know, you know, but still, the, everyone goes through the ritual of, you know, they'll go off stage, they clap, people are clapping, the lighters going off in the old days, and you know, everyone in the room knew they were going to come back. <laughs> I always found that funny. Yeah, yeah I can imagine when uh, the first few notes of uh, several songs are played <laughs> at this concert, it's going to be, it's going to be rocking. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, when some, you know some people I've heard say you know the band ended with the plane crash. Obviously, you don't necessarily believe that it obviously changed. You lose somebody as brilliant as Ronnie Van Zant and the others, and that it, it's never going to be exactly what it would have been. But you think the this incarnate the, you know the incarnation of it is a pretty darn good band. I the fact that when, when the plane crash happened. They were at a, at a point where Southern Rock was still growing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would have continued to grow with it. Mm. I would have hoped that the uh, their friendship with Charlie Daniels 
may have moved them a little more into a, a country sound because hmm. these guys are country boys. They, you know, they yeah. they like to drink and they like to fish and they you know even when they made it big, they didn't move move to the big city. They, they right. stayed in the country. True and, and all. And so with the plane crash, you had the Rosendon Collins band. You know, more people are in, in, introduced into the music. Great players all around the city still live here that were in that band. Um, and Molly Hatchet was coming up after the plane crash. If I, if I make, it, make it aside, I was once talking to Dave Lubeck, and they had released, this is like their fifth or sixth album, and they covered Freebird on this album. Hmm. And I said, that's kind of sacrilegious, isn't it, Dave? And Dave just came back, well, we play it better. <laughs> and I'm like, Dave, <laughs> that's a pretty big statement. And he said, think about it. When they made it, that song a hit, they only had to play it well, when they were in concert. What, 80 times a year? We were When we were coming up, we had to play it three times a night. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, but... um. When when they formed this this version of the band, I really believe they got very lucky in that Gary was willing willing able wanted to sign on. Um, you, you had Billy Artemis Pyle, Leon Wilkinson. You had to, you had the core, but they were able to convince Johnny to mm-hmm. go out there. He did not want to sing. He didn't want. He had his own band. He. You know, several years younger than his older brother. Mm-hmm. He, you know, revered him. He, matter of fact, in the very first part of these tours, there were no vocals sung uh, for Freebird. Hmm. They, they would simply come out, they put a bird statue on, Billy, on Billy's piano and take a uh, Stetson uh, cowboy hat and put it on the microphone. Hmm. And uh, so they would do the... Uh, piano uh, and then go into the guitars? Yep. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the other the other sad thing was that Alan had gotten in a car wreck uh, a year before, and was unable to perform. And you know they would he would he traveled with him for a while. He came out. And his father, I think, put, would wheel him out in the wheelchair so fans would be able to show some appreciation. And um, he handpicked Randall Hall to uh, take his place. Another great player here in t- from here, mm-hmm. and so they had a great band that second time around. Hmm. I mean, if, if th- that band was starting out anew, mm-hmm. I think that could they could have been a hit making band in itself hmm. without the reputation of yeah. the first incarnation. Still, yeah, a remarkable amount of talent. I mean, I always think you know Ronnie. I think his lyrics are so. Some of them are so more nuanced in, in ways that people don't give Skinner credit for. So I wonder where he would have gone as a as a songwriter. I mean, I think he would have been in um, you know several halls of fame, right? Like uh, you know, just kind of that the, the Tom Petty world, the kind of you know that these great lyrics and and that kind of. I think his he wouldn't have. They, yes, they would have kept doing some of the, these classics, but I just think, yeah, it would have gone in some interesting new directions, too. What's amazing to me is that he didn't write things down. He'd come up with, I mean, when, I'm, when I come up with a, a lead, I have to scratch it down on any piece of paper <laughs> right. to get those words the way I remembered them. First wrote them. He wrote, he didn't write things down. Huh. And um, 
position being able to come up with the with the words. And um, if, if I could talk to Ronnie, I would like to know why he in Freebird, uh, this Freebird you cannot uh, change. Uh-huh. I would have always said, why didn't this, this Freebird you cannot cage? Huh. But um, and he probably would have you know hit me, and then <laughs> we would have discussed the thing yeah. later. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it would be that'd be. A great conversation to have. Yeah, always, always have a conversation at arm's distance away from Ryan. Okay. <laughs> um, so, what's your? I was going to ask you, what's your favorite Skinner song? Um, you know, it, the most dangerous Skinner song is "Free Bird." If you are driving a car, <laughs> I have never been in a car with anybody who likes that song. I always glance over at the speedometer. It's at least at ninety. If you're if you're on JTB. <laughs> it's 90 or above <laughs> um, I also like the the breeze um, again it's got that same honky tonk uh, mm-hmm. rollicking uh, kind of feel the the band had um, but Curtis Lowe which was inspired by uh, Matlock's uh, dad uh, Richie uh, and his father used to, or was it his grandfather his thing was his grandfather I used to sit on the front on their back porch or front porch, and and just play guitar forever. And Ronnie would come over and listen to these guys play, and that's what inspired you know Curtis Lowe. So he he was a storyteller, mm-hmm. and uh, he might have come out of that you know uh, Harry Chapin kind of uh, hmm. mold, except he was able to keep his songs under ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> But he he told stories. Yeah, I mean, give, give me three steps. That was line for line. That's a that's a true story. Yeah, and uh, I've been in the past time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's only about three steps to the door. Yeah. Well, for anyone than five, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, but anyways, uh, they're just one of one of those bands that you, you know from when you're from Jacksonville, you're not supposed to you know be. Big time fan. I like Leonard Skinner. Oh yeah. I was in college in New York when they were um, back in the, before the crash, and he said, "Yeah, I, I lived in Jacksonville. I, yeah, the, this, these guys are great." Yep. Growing up in Wisconsin, I had uh, Skinner eight tracks, and <laughs> I still have one in my office. Yeah. Which uh, song did it change from uh, Channel I, Three I, to I, Channel yeah, Four? Yeah, there uh, there are a couple that I think it switches mid song. Yes, yes, that was. Part of the beauty, I guess. Yeah, kids, you're not going to understand what we're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, you know, going back to your, your lead on the story um, that you, you never thought they'd be, still be playing together, are you, you think this is indeed the farewell to Jacksonville concert? I'm, I'm well, Cher has had six farewell concerts, <laughs> done six different times. I really do believe that this is the uh, last go-around. Um when uh, they last played Jacksonville, it's when they uh, were going to be playing the n- two nights at the Florida Theater, recreating uh, song by song their first two albums. And that show had to be rescheduled because of uh, Gary's health. Mm-hmm. And um, I really believe that, you know, Gary, Gary's health is probably what's causing this to be the last time around. Um, I don't think it's a case of anyone not wanting to play. It's just the fact that I have better things to do with the rest of my life than keep this road life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, he, 
He is a simple man. He really would <laughs> like to spend the rest of his time out in the country, mm-hmm. uh, taking taking life as it comes. And uh, so, yeah, I do believe if this is going to be the uh, the last time for uh, for Leonard Skinner. I'm just hoping that um, Johnny gets back with his brother Donnie. They did one country album uh, a few years ago. I really think that the, that's where both those guys should uh, put their efforts uh, and try it one more time. Hmm. Hmm. So will you be there? Uh, yeah, I'm planning on being there, yeah. It's going to be a long, hot day. but <laughs> yeah. We'll expect a thousand words by <laughs> 6 p.m. Um, yeah. You got it. <laughs> Um, well, thanks to Dan McDonald for coming back into the newsroom. Really appreciate it. Good to see you back here, and appreciate you telling some great stories about Skinner. It was my pleasure. Good to see you again, Mark. <laughs>